Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. We are here this week with a special episode about single location horror films. Seeing it as as it is spooky season, Halloween is coming up, we figured we should discuss some horror movies. And to join us in that is actor and filmmaker Kristen Noriega. Kristen, what's going on? Hi, I'm excited to be here and talking about one of my favorite topics, which is single location horror movies. So pretty stoked. Yeah, this was your idea. You kind of brought this to us and we're going to talk about kind of what we love about these movies. But, you know, Kristen is a actor and filmmaker. She's appeared in horror movies. She has an upcoming film, which um, John Stegman, you know, came on and kind of pitched about it and talked about it. It's called When You're Gone. Um, that's mm-hmm. coming up soon. So how's that going? What's what's going on with that movie? It's going really well. So we are crowdfunding right now. Um, we're in talks with a couple of different investors that um, it's going well. So uh, it's um, crowdfunding is not easy and I knew that it wasn't, but it's looking like it's going to be incredibly successful. And so I'm just so stoked to like start getting into, um, you know, once you stop the crowdfunding, you can get back more on the creative side of getting ready to film a movie. So I'm going to be shooting it in February and I'm just over the moon at how things are going. So excited. Super exciting. That's awesome. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I have some questions that I kind of want to throw your way, but before we do, we got to do our, you know, beer crack to open this episode this week. What I'm going to be drinking is magic gardens from brick city brewing company. I was struggling to find a connection. So I just kind of threw this one out there. Have you seen the film uh, Color Out of Space? Yes. Yeah. That gave me Magic Garden vibes. Kind of a lot of creepy shit happening in a garden. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a single location horror movie. I, I considered it for this list. I'm a huge fan of that film. Um, that's that's single location, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it I'm all takes sure a place on a, that. It's a true like one location film, actually. Uh, there's one part where there where Nick Cage goes to the hospital with his wife. I think that's the only like scene that doesn't take place on that like kind of grounds. Um, yeah. But the rest, I feel like it does, and that's it's really close to a true single location or. Yeah, that's got some of the best um, practical effects like ever. Man, they won um, the Changor well Fangoria Chainsaw Award this past year for their special effects. So I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. yeah, really great movie. It is on something right now. I just I just watched it like a week ago, so I can't remember what it's on, but it's on something. It's streaming. Go yeah. check it out. Um, but yeah, Magic Garden, it is a IPA from Brick City Brewing Company. And yeah, we're going to get this episode started. So before we get into these single location horror films and Chris and I are going to kind of share our top five lists and make some recommendations to y'all. But before we do, you know, Kristen, you were at Syracuse Film Festival this past weekend. How was yeah. that? What were you doing there and how how'd everything go? Um, well, I'm, I was uh, raised in Syracuse. I grew up here. This is actually the first time I've attended the festival. Um, it was wonderful. I'd say um, one of the highlights was Kevin Lewis's film, Willie's Wonderland, had its like official theater screening there for the first time because it came out during COVID. So it's been, you know, like relinquished to the small screen on Hulu. Um, It was awesome. And Kevin Lewis was there. um, And y'all know Micah Khan. He was led like a QA and a with Kevin afterward. And he's just like such the coolest guy. And um, he actually had a trailer for us that nobody else has seen for his next movie called The Accursed. And it looks really, it's sick. It's a lot darker. Um, Yeah, I guess just more like less Evil Dead vibes and um, just like scarier this one. Yeah, I just watched Willie's Wonderland on Hulu the other day. It's so funny. funny. (laughs) Um, Me and my friend are kind of undertaking this journey of watching all the the kind of recent Nick Cage movies just because he's so bonkers. Yeah. and so I watched it the other day. It is a lot of fun. It is exactly as insane as the premise sounds, which is awesome. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching that movie. Yeah, um, it was a good time. I was really excited I got to see it, and especially with the director there to talk about it. 
Um, but then the next day on Saturday, APB Film had a whole block um, of three films of ours. Two of them made their premiere actually, um, Joe Giedel's Avoid uh, and Victoria Diana's Devour. And um, Chris Bell had his film Trammel too, which I love, was also screened within that block. And um, John Yost and the rest of us actually had a Q&A afterward just talking about basically what APB film does um, and how to, how to make your short film. It's so. super exciting. And you were in a void, mm -hmm. you know, what drew you to that project? It's a, it's a, it's a dark film. Uh, a lot of Lynch vibes I got from, uh, from what I saw at the, at the Madison theater premiere. Yeah. What, what drew you to that project? Um, I, I live in those dark spaces, <laughs> like, especially when it comes to the movies that I, you know, my horror fair, but, um, yeah, it was just so dark and so interesting. I loved um, the idea and the main character, Vera, I connected with. Um, I connect best with characters who are, you know, trying to escape from something, which is probably why horror is like my go-to. But, you know, she's not able to remain present with her grief and get through it. And instead, she puts it into what becomes maybe more sinister, maybe not, but um, it's just really interesting. The whole, I love science fiction that hinges further on the science side. And I feel like that's what Joe's film does. And it's really cool. So. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I like when science fiction films, they don't like dumb it down for the audience. They really like keep the science in there. It's, it's one of the reasons I love the movie primer so much because they really yeah. just go for it, you know, just meet us where we're at with this and just take the ride. I really enjoyed that about Joe's film as well. Mm -hmm, for sure. And, you know, so you were acting in Joe's film avoid and now you've got this new film when you're gone. Is this going to be your first directorial effort? It is. Yeah. My second um, writing endeavor that's being produced and my first directorial. So. That's super exciting. And, you know, you wrote this story. I know you, you know, things are still kind of in motion, but, can you give us like the the 10 second elevator pitch for what this kind of is? Sure, yeah. Um, I basically tell people if you took Alien, The Thing, I May Destroy You, and Ghostbusters 2 and fused them together, <laughs> you have a very weird, gross, dark, hilarious, but ultimately hopeful tale of this um, young woman. She's a writer in New York City, but she's doing way more partying than writing. Um, and she finds out her boyfriend's cheating on her and this sends her into a pretty serious self-destructive uh, spiral. And that distracts her from this parasitic ecosystem of mutated reptiles that have been uh, forced down beneath the sewers in Hell's Kitchen. And we've forced them back out. She's oblivious to what's happening in the city, but they meet each other there <laughs> in that weird space. So it's a creature feature, it's body horror. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. But. Yeah, and it seems like it's touching on kind of those themes of escape that you were talking about as well. For sure, yeah. Literal and, you know. <laughs> yes. All kinds. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned it's a creature feature. I, I saw that you guys were able to get Shane Morton to do this film. You know, he worked on Mandy. That was a huge, huge movie in kind of the horror community. How were you guys able to get him on board? Um, I listened to the episode of last podcast on the left where they interviewed Shane Martin and God, I was just like, this is my favorite episode of all 500 episodes. How many, like, I'm just like, so I'm feeling this. And I thought to myself, you know, we're having a hard time finding our special effects team. I know we can't afford Shane, but what if I asked him for recommendations? And so I used that good old, you know, IMD Pro that you get your $20 a month worth, please like use it. <laughs> um, and I found his email and I just thought, fuck it, you know, and I emailed and within 24 hours, you know, I heard back, I had sent, you know, the pitch deck and everything, the um, Indiegogo trailer. And he was like, you, you know, do you have time for a call this week? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and um, we spoke the next day and I, it was just, again, the God, I could listen to him talk all day about what he does. And um, he's super, just so passionate about it. Um, but he knew our budget and he knew what we want to do. And he was like, hell yeah, like I'm on board, you know, let's do it. And um, 
that's kind of what happened. And it, it really is true, you know, especially with low budget filmmaking and practical effects, like reach out to those folks, like just ask the worst they can say is no laugh in your face, whatever. But a lot of them, that's where they come from is working with next to nothing and like getting creative that way. So God, we're just so excited to have him on board to see yeah. what he does. That, that's a super exciting poll. And I'm a huge fan of his work in Mandy. It's, it's great. That's yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you and excited yeah. to see this thing eventually. And, sure. you know, you mentioned this is going into production in February, you said, correct? Mm -hmm. As you're kind of getting ready for that, is there anything that you're going to kind of be watching for inspiration or, you know, what, what are you, what, what's that process going to be like kind of leading up to going into production for you? Yeah. I mean, obviously movies, like I said, like alien, like the thing Ghostbusters too. Um, I always, before any shoot, I go to Fury road. <laughs> I know it doesn't have a lot to do with my movie, but it just takes me to this like guttural place of like, oh, fuck yeah, let's make movies. Um, but, and honestly, revisiting some of the movies that you recommended for this episode was just like, it was really helpful and reminded me of like, to rewatch those for certain things as well. I got a, um, a lighting idea from one of them, which is awesome. But these are the kinds of movies that I'm looking at, which is the, those single location, just like 90 minute or less horror movies. And they can, you know, be, I know people like to argue about like what's horror, what's not, but um, they can definitely just be like thriller vibes as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're going to we're going to have that debate a little bit, I think, with a couple of these movies, like, is this truly horror or not? Um, yeah. But, you know, with this single location idea, this was something that you came up with and kind of brought. What do you love about these single location horror movies so much? I think at its core, I mean, I know at its core that it just it takes that escape element and just like runs with it. You know, you have one location and especially with, you know, the infection subgenre, right? Including a couple of the movies that we're talking about today where, you know, our protagonists literally get sealed off from civilization. It's kind of like fend for yourself, dude. Um, it's just like it's the one location element is the epitome of do or die, like um, escape or no escape kind of deal. And I, I know that it forces creativity as well on the writer's part of like you've got one location like you better know who your characters are and um better fill them out because you're gonna find out quickly if they don't have anything to talk about or to, to what's driving the actual story you know it gives you much less distraction I feel like yeah for sure I completely agree I think that the kind of constraint of having it in one location you can't do all these kind of crazy things so you have to be very good at developing character and you know making creative choices to keep the the audience on edge because you are kind of constrained to this one spot so i always love that about these films and the other thing i feel like they do such a good job of kind of ramping up the anxiety and tension because you're in this one location and you're trapped there mm -hmm. and often a lot of the films that i chose i purposely chose because they're already in an awkward situation <laughs> And then shit gets worse because all this horrific stuff starts happening. So that, that's something that I love as well, the way they just kind of build in tension with the situation that they're in. That's funny. It makes me really happy that my, my uh, movie When You're Gone does that. <laughs> it's a nice element. Yeah. And so let's get to sharing our lists and seeing as you're the guest, you know, I'll let you start. What's, what's your number five pick? My number five pick is Paranormal Activity. Um, I mean, it's the OG, like launched Blumhouse into the behemoth that it is. Um, and, you know, there had really never been anything like it. I, obviously, you know, Blair Witch was the original. And then you could even argue that like open water was another. I don't I don't know that it was found footage. It was just like you're with them. But it was a very similar dynamic, I feel like, to paranormal activity. But it's a shark and not a demon <laughs> um, but yeah god and, and it's just one of those movies like you'll never forget where you were when you saw it who you were with and one of those 
horror movies is just best to see in a full theater and I did and you know like just couldn't keep my eyes open including I didn't even see the ending until uh, a couple years ago I was re-watching it and my boyfriend walked through the living room he's like I'm going to smoke and I said no sit down like you gotta sit down to laugh five minutes I've never been able to like sit through it and watch what happens so just like sit and you know like we watched it he was like you good <laughs> it's like yes that was totally like validating and awesome and you know it was like saving you know a piece of cake I guess for yourself later yeah I mean it's honestly one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen like I've never I my skin has not crawled like that in a movie in a very long time it's it's really something yeah and I mean you mentioned the ending that is the only part of this movie that I don't particularly like. Yeah. And I, I read something online that the original ending was so much like darker and like kind of more grounded in reality. It was something about like the cops show up and accidentally shoot the boyfriend or something. And it was like super dark, like the original ending. I've never had it. I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, yeah. But like... That's the only thing that's slightly disappointing, but the ride to get there is really just something. It is a plus stuff. For sure. I was blown away by the actors too. You know, it's, it's a hell of a thing to make, you know, documentary style conversations seem natural and they just, you know, knocked it out of the park. So. Yeah. It feels very like improv where like, it's almost like the actors were just given kind of an outline of like, all right, this is what's going to happen. You guys just kind of do your thing. And I mean, if that's the case, like they did, they did a hell of a job. It's really good. Yeah. And that's writing also yeah. <laughs> really on their part. If he did, yeah. Where do you stand on the uh, Paranormal Activity sequels? Do you like any of them? I haven't dipped my feet into any of them yet. I'm, I, and I, there's, um, there's one of them, I think it might be three or four where people on all of my like horror forums and Facebook groups are like, yeah, that one's pretty decent. Like you should check it out. Like that one, that one's good. So I might check that one out. I don't know. It's just like, there's so much out there to watch that I haven't seen yet that I just, if I, I know that if I started watching a sequel after 15 minutes, I'd be like, fuck it. I need to watch the first one because this just makes me want to experience the first <laughs> one again kind of thing. I could be wrong, but th yeah, they're on like seven now they're making. Yeah, next, seven. next of Kin is about to come out on a Paramount Plus, I think next week. And I I did, I watched all of them during quarantine because I was bored oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just like started doing... I just started picking out franchises and being like, I'm going through every single one. I don't care. Uh, not great, but I did like, there's one called um, the marked ones that takes place. It takes place in like Latin neighborhood in Los Angeles. And there's all this stuff with like kind of the occult and like, witches. I forget what the uh, brujas and like that whole thing. That one I kind of liked because it was more interesting and it like took it to a new place instead of like just, katie and whatever was going on with her the whole time so i quite like that one that one i would actually like recommend it's it's a little bit more interesting i think it sounds like right up my alley yeah i had no idea didn't see it going there <laughs> no i mean <laughs> it's, really it's, cool, though. it's an interesting one i i like that one um the rest i not not for me um anything else on paranormal activity you wanted to talk about i don't i don't think so i feel like that covers it all right, so I'll go to my number five. Uh, my number five is The Invitation, directed by Karen Kusama. This movie does the thing that I was talking about where they already build in an awkward situation. This guy is going to a dinner party with his new girlfriend. At this dinner party is his ex and her new girlfriend, or his or her new lover. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he is exactly. Um, they met at a grief therapy group session because the protagonist will and his ex they lost a child in their marriage and they divorced because of that so that is just an all-time awkward situation that you're already wa walking into and then crazy stuff starts happening so it gets even more tense and awkward as the film goes on H how do you feel about this movie this this is i'm a huge huge fan of this 
I'm really glad that you ranked this one so I could go back and watch it because I really worry about my attention span sometimes. Um, I don't do super well with the slow burns. And in my head, I thought I saw this as being something different. I thought they were gonna be like trying to eat each other in the first like 10 minutes or something like wild. I was just like expecting it. And so I just wasn't in the right mindset. And when I went back and rewatched it this time, I was just like, this is, it's, first of all, it's, it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. Um, but it's also just like, it's so real. Like, I feel like that's what makes it scarier is like the, the story itself. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I feel like um, nowadays, especially, um, well, I don't want to give me spoilers, so I won't go there, but um, I loved the ending. I, you know, I love this movie and now I will sing its praises, uh, especially, you know, it's Karen Kasama. She's like one of the best directors out there. Um, and I can see why this movie got, you know, the attention that it did. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad you brought up the slow burn because I think that is what drew me to it so much is that there's just enough there with the situation that like you're on board, but it is moving slowly and it builds and builds and builds and it's co constantly catching you off guard. Like you're in the shoes of Will, the protagonist, and you know, as the audience, you're noticing all these weird things, but then, and you're like, wait, is Will in the wrong here? Like, am I, am I rooting for the wrong guy? Like what's, what's happening? So it constantly kind of keeps you on your toes in that way. For sure. It gets in your head. And I love that. Yeah. Like, um, cause you're kind of experiencing that with Will also, he, he's not sure, like, is he overreacting or like what, what's going on? So I, I enjoyed that element for sure. Like how it messes with your head. Yeah, absolutely. Times. <laughs> yeah. So many times. And that's what's really good about it. And then, you know, really the the kind of action, I, I suppose, of the film really only takes place in like the last 20 minutes. So you're there for a solid like hour and 10 of just like stewing in this awkward dinner party with the characters. And then it just like all that tension that's been building throughout just kind of bursts in this like crescendo of like 20 minutes of just violence. And I really love that about this film. And I love that about like most movies that kind of are that slow burn. Yeah. And it's definitely a credit to the writing um, and the acting when you can understand all of the relationships in such a short period of time that it, it makes it extra awkward and you can't look away. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, yeah. It's good. There's a lot of cringe in the first 70 minutes of this, like just like, oh, that's an icky, icky situation. Yeah. That is definitely a dinner party I want no part of any time. All right, let's go to your number four. What do you got? So my number four is Don't Breathe, um, which is one of those like toss up, whether it's considered horror or thriller. I definitely consider it a horror film. Um, <laughs> if for no other reason than there is one of the most horrific scenes I have ever seen in all of the movies I've ever watched. And I watch a lot of fucked up shit. <laughs> um, and um, also one of only three movies that's managed to make me actually physically wretch um, and have to like look away from what's happening. So um, what we were talking about aesthetic with the invitation and I just thought it was like this beautiful mix of like Fight Club and Saw and it's just like, it's gritty and the way the camera just glides throughout the the whole house it's it's wild it's really that's where i would start with that one that's the why i love it so much but yeah for sure i mean when you have these single location movies especially one that takes place in a house like it's kind of the job of the director to get the audience familiar with the house and like so you know where everything is and that's something that i love about this movie because every time you're like, okay, now they're here and you kind of understand the layout because of the way that they've kind of taken you through. And it's not like they take you on a tour, but they do it within the flow of the movie, which I think is so brilliant in this. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that it's like, presents itself as, you know, just one last heist, bro, like that whole trope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one last one. Um, and I love the premise, honestly, that they are going to rob this you know, blind veteran who came into a lot of money and that sets the tone and it plays a lot of mind games with who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. 
And I have a special place in my heart for Jane Levy also. I just think like she, you know, there's the same filmmakers as Evil Dead 2013. And I just thought she was such a like badass final girl that brings like such weight and like depth to her characters. So I'm a big fan of hers too. Yeah, I have to give a special shout out to uh, Stephen Lang in this movie as the blind veteran who turns into just like a killing machine is he gives just a hell of a performance in this movie. I think he is so unsettling. For sure. It's it's amazing. I, I They must have just been over the moon to when they cast him because my God. Um, even just down to like his, his, this vocal quality that he takes on. Yeah. Um, it's like otherworldly creepy. And I kind of appreciated it too, because he's a hermit. So he really doesn't talk to people. So you can hear like this kind of like, that's a muscle that's not used to yeah. working kind of thing. Yeah. But... There's, a, there's a lot that's built into that character. And, you know, I have to agree with you. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but there's, there's a bit of a twist and, you know, I also nearly lost my lunch when that scene came up. Yeah, it's like it's like they took that little that little element just to knock it even a little bit further even over. Further, like why do you have to do that? <laughs> no, I yeah. mean if you watch this movie, like you'll, you'll let me just put it this way: you're never gonna look at a turkey baster the same way. It's <laughs> uh, it changes you, and not necessarily in a positive way. No. Uh, speaking of sequels, did you happen to catch this one? I haven't yet. Oh, I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it. I feel like I'm holding it up to the standard that I will watch it eventually. Have you seen it? I have. My, my wife and I, we went to go see it in theaters. It was not our first movie back, but like third or fourth. We're, we love Don't Breathe so much. So like when we heard the sequels out, we were like, yeah, we're, we're going to go catch this. Um is it's not as good as the first i mean the sequels rarely are but i i think it is i i would ultimately like recommend it if you're a fan of the first one all right well then i will definitely check it out um also i just like their special effects um from fede alvarez movies are so visceral and like real and disturbing so i always super appreciate that on just like a filmmaking level i'm just like damn you know like it's it's intense yeah yeah, his Evil Dead remake is uh, very, very upsetting and not in the same mold as the first one. The first one, like, you know, and we'll obviously talk about this. Spoiler, Evil Dead 2 is on my list. Um, <laughs> but, you know, all the gore and over-the-top stuff is always played for laughs in those movies. It is not in the remake. It is, like, brutal straight up. Yeah. He's got like 15 different projects coming up. I'm really excited. I'm not joking. If you look on IMDb, it's like, doo, 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 doo. I'm like, hell yeah, bring it on. I, I'm excited for whatever he's got. I've, I've got, you know, I've got season tickets for him pretty much from here on out after Evil Dead and Don't Breathe. Like the fact that you could just make a competent Evil Dead remake, like I'm, I'm usually so against remakes. Yep. And he, you know, made it and it stands up on its own completely. Like, I, you know, it's just a completely different movie. So it's almost difficult to compare the two. For sure. Yeah. Which is wild. It's just, it's an, it's an impossibility. He's a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to go to my number four now. And my number four is Your Next, directed by Adam Wingard. And again, this is a movie that kind of puts you into an already awkward slash tense situation. A girl is going to meet her boyfriend's family for the first time. And it is an extremely dysfunctional family as you get with the first dinner scene, <laughs> which is, again, just it makes your skin crawl, but in a completely different way, unrelated to kind of horror stuff. And then shit starts happening <laughs> and people start dying. And, you know, what I love about this film so much is it it's not the straight up slasher because you get the final girl trope or you think you're going to get the final girl trope, but it turns out that the final girl is actually a full on badass, And she kind of turns the tables on the slasher or slashers in this case. Um, so I, I just love that about this film so much. How, how, where, where are you at with your next? I'm so glad I went back and rewatched this because I hadn't seen it since I saw it the first time in the theaters back in like 2013. I'm pretty sure, but just like, the writing I I am obsessed with the writing it's just so each character 
you know, he, he sets them up, Simon Barrett, and then they remain true, like throughout the film. And it's funny, it's like hilarious, even though it's also like horrifying. Um, and it's just like this good old fashioned murder mystery also, like everybody's a suspect. Yeah. And one of the best like opening sequences I've ever seen, there's no like opening credits, but there are in a yeah. really like unique way. Yeah, you get this cold open and it ends with your next written in blood on the mirror. And it's just fucking awesome. Like such a great way to open the movie. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. No, and I'm glad you touched on the humor because honestly, that's probably the, one of the biggest things for me. I love when horror films are able to kind of balance the the horror and the comedy so well. And it's, it's a reason that I always gravitate towards Sam Raimi's films because I think he's just a master of kind of keeping that terror and comedy kind of just on a knife's edge and you know perfectly kind of blending it together and <laughs> blending uh the, <laughs> if you've seen this you know um but there's just so much funny stuff in this movie that's like built into the family dynamics and just the lines that they say there's like these great one-liners after kills um so i just love it it's it's great i imagined like if you took the family from succession I don't know if you watch that at all, but threw them into this like murderous movie and they would just be themselves. And it's fucking hilarious. Like it's yeah. real, it's grounded, but it's also hilarious because they're ridiculous human beings. But, so absurd. And, and the, the family dynamics, you know, like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like whenever, whenever anybody's with their family, you just automatically regress, you know, yes. all of a sudden it's like, you're right back to when you were 10 or whatever it is and so these this family hasn't seen each other in like a very very long time so it's just everything's at like full volume full throttle it's awesome for sure I mean it's something so relatable because you've been at those family functions where like just the whole time you're side-eyeing people and they're like really we got to bring this up now and then yep. the only difference is someone gets a crossbow bolt in the back of the head <laughs> in the middle of it which honestly you wish that happened sometimes <laughs> yeah oh my god this movie um gets right into the thick of it i mean obviously the opening but like within minute 13 you're already like we're on the ride i i love it yeah and you know a key thing with all slasher movies i feel like is you know, the quality of the kills. It's something that was established with like the 80s, like slasher movies. That's kind of a large part of what you're there for, like the creativity of the kills. For sure. And there are two all-timers in this movie. Both times in the theater and when I went back to watch it, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like you don't, it's brilliant. You don't expect it. And it's just so brutal. Yeah. And the great thing about these, these kills is like, you really don't see them coming at all. Like there's not... There's a lot of times in a horror movie where they, like they'll zoom in on an object and you're like, all right, I know that thing is coming up later. How is it going to be used? But in this movie, it just comes out of left field and it's just like, what in the actual fuck? <laughs> and like I said that when I watch this movie, pretty much every time it still gets me. Yep. The rewatch value is very high on this one. So yeah. And I sure. think the comedy is a huge part of that. Like you don't, because in the, the, the first time, especially because you don't know what happened you're kind of like wrapped up in the tension and the the kind of horror of the situation so some of the some of the lines kind of passed me by I didn't realize how funny it was but when I went back I was very in tune with like oh my god this movie is hysterical that's true maybe that's part of it for in my case too like you're so wrapped up in what, what's going on the first time that you kind of fly over those like all the intricacies of the lines definitely high rewatch value it is on hulu right now definitely go check this film out if you have not seen it uh kristen let's go to your number three sure um my number three is that feel good film right at your door <laughs> um so right at your door um kind of opens with a chemical attack on los angeles and kind of follows this couple and how they navigate it throughout the rest of the film and um like I said it's not a feel-good film oh, um, it is but, not. It, <laughs> but it feels so um especially in in light of recent you know COVID and everything this movie came out in 2006 but my god I revisited it during you know lockdown because I don't know I'm a complete masochist but it's just so it's it's 
it's interesting. And I, I'm always so blown away by Mary McCormick's performance in this. I know she's like, she went into much more television and much more like comedy, but I was so, so, so blown away by her um, performance in this and the places that she had to go. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that you talked about earlier about when you're in this single location, you really have to flesh out these characters so much. And the dynamic between Rory Cochran's character and Mary McCormick's character is just like, it hits, man. Like, you get all of it and you feel all of it, which makes the ending of this movie just that much more powerful when it kind of hits you. Um, because they've spent so much time making you care about these characters and like what they mean to each other. Yeah, really great, great movie. I don't see myself returning to it anytime soon um, just because it did leave me in a pit of despair for about a day afterwards. Um, but it is a very, very good movie. I want to be clear. Yeah, I definitely was looking at this one like among the whole list of like, you know, um, I'm not so sure I would recommend it to everyone. Um, I'm trying to think if you if you dig movies like with endings like maybe like The Mist, if you're okay with or maybe the ending of like The Strangers, I don't know, or just be in a, we have a Disney movie ready to go after watch them stand up. I don't know. I, I rewatched Super Bad afterwards just so I could like <laughs> feel good. Exactly, like a palate cleanser, you know, like psh, wash it all out. No, but I I, I agree with you. I like. I love films like The Mist because they don't pull their punch. It's something that frustrates me about a lot of horror movies is they kind of pull the punch at the end and just, we got to have some kind of like happy ending, hope, whatever. And this does not. And I, I dig that about it. Like they had the balls to kind of go there and just like, yeah, this fucking sucks. For sure. <laughs> and it's very relatable. Like with the, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, like I hadn't seen this film and I was like, remarking on how kind of prescient it felt with all of the things that were happening in this movie. Mm -hmm. I just think it's such a, it's such a study in single location films period though. You know, I, so uh, if you're a filmmaker and, and you're looking for films that kill it in that department, um, I would definitely take a look at this one. Um, I remember just being so blown away by it. And back in the days when you picked movies from Blockbuster by what the picture looked like, I had no idea what it was about. I'd never heard of it. Um, and I was just like, it was one of those like happy accidents. Yeah. All right. So I will go to my number three. I threw a curveball last minute and I didn't tell you about it. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, this is where I'm going to go into kind of my classics. The first one that I put on there is Alien, Ridley Scott's 1979 film. This is one of the OGs. It, it's so influential in so many ways. In a lot of ways, it's like, what do you say about Alien at this point? But you're trapped on a spaceship with a killer alien. Uh, that is fucking horrifying. <laughs> and it is so claustrophobic the entire time. And that is what makes this so kind of tense and horrifying. Classic movie. <laughs> I feel like I don't need to ask, but where do you stand on Alien? I mean, it was one of those movies I saw as a kid that just like every frame is, you know, cemented somewhere in your brain and... It's just, you know, so, so, so many horror filmmakers will, um, especially single location filmmakers, will always reference Alien because it just, it just is. It's OG and um, the writing, like Ripley being the badass final girl that she becomes, you know, there's a lot of like real life drama in that too, in the sense that it feels grounded, it feels a little like realistic, like what's happening, the dynamics between everyone for sure. And you can't forget the creature in all of it. Like, my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we've kind of touched on with the single location idea. And Ripley's journey is that idea of character development that you have to really focus on in these movies. And Ripley's evolution into, like you said, just like the badass final girl is just incredible in this movie and really groundbreaking in a lot of ways because this was 79. I mean, you didn't have female characters like this often in movies before this. So right. it was it was huge and it kind of spawned a whole thing after that. It certainly did. Yeah. And I'm sure that many other, you know, horror films, sci-fi films were able to cast, you know, uh, a Ripley type character or female in the lead after this after somebody breaks that wall then they see that it can be done 
and everyone wants to do it. But before that, it was like, are you serious? No way. But so it's it's groundbreaking in so many ways. I mean, you don't have like the great character in your next without Ellen Ripley first. You don't have, you know, the great character in Nightmare on Elm Street if you don't have her first. So it was it was huge. And like, there's so many great examples throughout history of how this was so influential in that way as well. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Alien at this point, what are you doing? Um, but also go, go watch Alien if you've never seen it. It is a classic for a reason. Probably at least top five favorite horror movies of all time for me. And what's remarkable to me about the Alien franchise kind of as a whole is how they've kind of shifted genres throughout the entire franchise. Because, you know, Alien, the original, is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Aliens, the sequel, is one of the greatest action movies of all time. And they just have this ability to kind of shift genres within this kind of this universe that they've created there. And I think that's really just something that I love and appreciate about this franchise so much. 100%. And I've even grown to appreciate, you know, the later, (laughs) the later explorations like Prometheus and Covenant. And it's all just, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It feels like family. It feels like home, like each journey that you take with it. I've actually come to grow to appreciate Alien Resurrection more. I feel like the campiness in that movie, very funny, like very underrated, very funny. Yeah, for sure. So there's something to find in all of them. And, you know, you get David Fincher's first film, which he has disowned, but nonetheless, Alien 3. (laughs) All right, let's go to your number two. What do you got? So my number two is, I always call it Reek, might be Reck. It's it's R-E-C, the Spanish zombie film. I've always called it Reck. I think, I I, I don't know. I think Reck is correct. And I'll tell you why, because... (laughs) Not only is there only one E in there, but it's short for record. So, um, so wreck um, is at my number two. And when I was watching, when I was going back to watch Don't Breathe, it it was similar, like the camera movements, like you're just always going up and down and back and forth between this apartment complex. Um, And so they set it up for you very well, where again, like, you know, where everything is, which is really important. This one is just, it's, it's, it's a, it's its own kind of thing, right? Because it's not found footage. You're actually like thrown, thrust right into this like live late night TV show with this TV host and her camera guy. And right in the first 15 minutes, again, like you're off, like you're into zombie land and it's terrifying. And this is one of those zombie movies that like has the capacity to feel eerily real (laughs) like it could happen i mean one of the things that i've always loved about found footage is the way that it can seem so real and in this one specifically i feel like it just adds to the chaos that is involved in this and it's just non-stop with the movement and at at, sometimes it can be a bit of a distraction but at the same Mm -hmm. time it's always with a purpose because you're with them in this incredibly harrowing chaotic situation. So the camera is serving a very important purpose. And just like the cameraman is an actual character. So is the camera that he's carrying around with him. And that is something that I really loved about this movie. Like it's just nonstop and just unrelenting for an, thankfully it's only like an hour and 20 minutes, right? but like it is unrelenting for that 80 minute, time span for sure and i felt like it did such a good job of you know if they went if the camera went into one part of the apartment building to do something it didn't forget that there were other events happening in another part of the apartment building that we have to go back and see them where they are now as opposed to oh nothing was going on and now we're going to see like a scene here kind of thing so right. it's just that it, and it gives into that feeling of just relentless, like, God, how are they getting out of this? Yeah, because every time you go to check in with those people, something big has happened and it's not presented as like exposition. You know, something's happening because some some other crazy shit starts going down with these other people over here when you walk back into it. And it's just like, oh, my word, like, can you give me a break for a sec? Can you give these people a break for a second? Yeah. And, you know, it definitely has 
a lot of kind of the pandemic vibes because you get the people in suits, you get this kind of health crisis where you are literally trapped and not able to go outside. So, you know, it hits, it hits close these days. Um, had, did you see any of the American remakes of these movies like quarantine? I did not. Um, you don't have to, I just, they're actually for, you know, American remakes, they're, they're good. They're very entertaining. And I will say that the ending of quarantine, the American version was creepier than the ending to the, the original Spanish version. So it's worth it for that. Check it out. (laughs) I mean, I am a fan of these sequels. Like these are some of the rare sequels that generally worked for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I get (sighs) The way it looks on the screen is kind of like rec squared, but I guess it's just rec two. <laughs> um, that one is just equally unrelenting and terrifying. Um, so yeah, this whole series is is great. If you're a fan of the found footage stuff, you know, like Kristen said, it's not truly found footage because they kind of have a clever workaround sort of, but it is a found footage film and it is very good. Um, it's up there with the best of them up there with Blair Witch, up there with Paranormal Activity. In a lot of ways, I think they're better, honestly. It's better. For sure, Um, yeah. I'm going to go to my number two. Um, This is my other classic pick. I wanted to put some kind of historical stuff on here, and it is Evil Dead 2. I chose two as opposed to one because, as I mentioned before, I love comedy, and this is a very, very funny movie, Um, much more so than the first one. And... You know, they're trapped in a cabin in the woods and the Necromicon comes into play and then shit starts going down for real. And it's just one of the most funny and also terrifying movies that I've ever seen and groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And this is one of the movies that kind of developed my love of horror. Kristen, how do you feel about Evil Dead 2? When I went back and rewatched it, yeah, I forgot how just hysterical it is the entire time and it's one of those sequels that successfully they all try to do this I feel like but successfully took like all the good juice from the first film and like not only did that but like enhanced upon it so you get that the whole time and it's just god and and the practical effects too like they're mind-blowing they hold (laughs) up crazy they do hold up which is insane but I mean that's a testament you know to those effects artists but yeah I just couldn't believe how how fun it was going back and I will admit I haven't seen Army of Darkness yet Army of Darkness goes full comedy it is (laughs) it is ridiculous and it like it has probably some of the most quotable lines from the entire kind of series. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as good as Evil Dead 2. I mean, not, not, okay. not, I, don't, I don't know much that is. Like, this is one of my favorite movies. The first time I saw it, me and my friends decided to do like mystery science theater and like mm-hmm. film ourselves watching the whole series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was just one of the most fun like movie days I've ever had in my life. So like it always holds a special place, but like every time I went and rewatched it afterwards, it was just as good. Mm-hmm. And like, oh man, what, what can you say about this movie? I, I love it so much. It's it's a classic for a reason. Yep. And watching it, I could 100% see why you chose that versus the original. Because um, yeah. it's just so good. I mean, I love the original. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's great. Sure. But, yeah. you know, Evil Dead 2, it's one of the rare sequels that, you know, like you said, it takes everything that was great about it, turns it up to 15, and just, like, goes. And, you know, another one of my favorites, The Cabin in the Woods, like, that is just a direct descendant of this movie with the blending of horror and comedy. There's a literal cabin in the woods, like Evil <laughs> Dead. I mean, you know, so it's just super influential in that way, too. And it's just, it's just peak peak horror making and it's one of the few um true single location horror movies like we they always get a, a pass i guess if they're like 70 percent, you know one location like even like the descent right there's a few different locations before they get into the cave um oh man yeah. how did i forget so, about the descent well i didn't even tough. consider it's it so hard 
Like you have that, like, you have the mess. There's so many. But, I don't yeah. know what I'd be taking off, but The Descent, also phenomenal movie. What a great, great horror movie. I love it so much. Uh, and I didn't even consider it. I just didn't even think about it. I'm, I'm mad at myself for that. <laughs> There's one I will definitely be re- revisiting as I'm moving into production for my movie, for sure. Great shout. Your number one. Let's do it. What do you got? So my number one is um, Splinter. And I'm not sure how many people have seen this movie. Were you, you were already familiar with it, right? I had seen it, but I had not seen it in a very, very long time. I mm-hmm. remembered it because like... I feel like it came out around this time where a bunch of just single word horror movies were coming out. Like, I also think I saw Teeth around the same time. Yeah. And it stuck in my head for that. And But I hadn't seen it. I remembered very little about it. So I was really glad I went back and rewatched it. Yeah. Um, this was another one of those blockbuster picks from the wall when we had blockbuster where the poster itself just like got me, you know, it says splinter and then there's this just like this hand and it's covered and you don't know if it's a creature or like nails or wood or what, but it just looks really cool. And I went into it with zero expectations because I had no idea what it was going to be about. And I think that's part of the reason that I remember it so fondly is because I just wasn't expecting anything. And then, you know, the practical effects, the fact that it, you know, lingers around this gas station the whole time. So, and it's really a creature feature also um, with some of the definite infection subgenre elements as well. And it's another one where the, you know, gore is pretty spot on like it looks like that would look if you did that to someone's body like kind of thing um and Shay Wiggum my god like anything that man touches you know he's just such a phenomenal actor and I had completely forgotten that he was in this because this was before you know like Boardwalk Empire and all those other major roles that he took on but he just kills it and you just nailed like all the three things that really stuck out to me and you know Shay Wiggum was one of them mm-hmm the practical effects in this movie are remarkable. Like the way that those, it's, I guess it's turning them into like a porcupine kind of. Right. It's like a zombified porcupine, I think. Slash fungus. <laughs> Slash yeah. fungus. And we it's parasitic, know. but like every time the kind of spikes or splinters start to pop out of the skin, it's just so unsettling, but like also oddly beautiful to look at this like transformation <laughs> It's yeah. crazy. And then I love the idea that they're in a gas station and kind of one of those like on the road gas stations. So they have all this stuff that they can play around with. And it turns into like almost like a home alone survivor thing where they're like making all these like traps and booby traps for like the things. And there's one scene with a bunch of hangers and duct tape that was just like the ingenuity, the way they MacGyvered that shit. I just loved it. And like having it in the gas station was brilliant in that way because of the way that you could just naturally kind of build that into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that hanger uh, duct tape scene stood out to me this time around too. I was just like, God damn, like that takes <laughs> the way, the things that they put in that gas station, it was just, it made sense for where it's at too. So it just worked out perfectly. For sure. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned was like dropping you kind of into this already tense, scary, awkward situation. And, you know, I've been on about four like cross country road trips. And this most recent one with was with my wife. And, you know, she's a bit green on the road. So, she was scared a lot of the time, like in these awkward, like West Texas towns. And I was like, once uh, when I went back to rewatch this, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is real. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I mean, the, the villains in this movie are written. So um, they're not like cartoony. They're very real. And you feel like you could definitely bump into them in the wrong part of town. The only thing I, will put as like a knock against this movie is his like kind of redemption arc that gets just tossed in there towards the end Shea Wiggum's character oh yeah that that was a bit silly that that rang a bit false to me Mm -hmm. um but I I guess like sure I didn't really care that much but I was like really this 
bending that it took yeah yeah i'm not sure yeah i'm not i'm not sure about that but honestly like there's so much great about this um the production design mainly shea wiggum (laughs) and the gas station stuff it's just great i love it nice all right and i will go to my number one it is green room directed by jeremy saulnier this is just such a phenomenal movie i don't even know where to begin I guess where I want to begin is in a lot of ways, you could say this isn't truly a horror movie. It's more of that thriller, but for me, it definitely has all the horror check marks. So where do you stand on that kind of horror versus thriller with this one? I love this movie so much. And um, I, Jeremy Saulnier is one of my favorite directors. And I feel like this is like his masterpiece. It's just everything's come together in just it's like a nearly perfect film it definitely ticks off the subgenre of like you know like the wrong turn <laughs> like yeah. the wrong place at just the wrong time dude and the a lot pacing, of body horror elements too hell yeah and the, the the special effects are mind-blowing the practical effects with the body horror and it's it's very real again it's like yep that's what it would look like if somebody did that it's hard to you know describe like it's such a study in mood too like from the the moment that the band pulls into you know this gig that they weren't expecting to pull into it's just like this feeling of like oh fuck like this doesn't feel right um so it's wild to be able to do that so quickly yeah so the kind of setup for this movie is a punk band is on the road and they are broke you get them like siphoning gas and it's such a great like character setup. Like you understand so much about this band just from the little moments. And it's like a 10 minute opening. So in order to get enough money to kind of get back home, they just take a gig last minute. And it turns out it is at a neo-Nazi club in the backwoods of Oregon. And they witness some things that they weren't supposed to witness. And then they get trapped in the green room which is where the title comes from. And then it is a survival tale about if and how they will get out of this situation quandary that they have found themselves in. And if you want to talk about an already tense, awkward situation, try being stuck in a club with a bunch of fucking neo-Nazis. I couldn't think of anything more terrifying. I liked, um, I couldn't get over making Blair's versatility in this too. Um, I feel like he always plays a good guy, like the protagonist, um, and he does a really good job of not (laughs) being that in this, and watching Patrick Stewart as a bad guy too, my god, it's terrifying, because you just don't, you're like, oh, it's like watching my dad, but now he's like the (laughs) devil, and it's like fascinating, but terrifying. It's really cool how they kind of utilize Patrick Stewart in this movie, like when he's first introduced he's almost like this mythical figure that just like appears. And then the first time, and I I was reading something about how this was kind of a purposeful choice. The first time he addresses the band, he's talking them to them through the door, but you never see him. It doesn't like cut back and forth. It stays on the band in the room the whole time. So you're just feeling Patrick Stewart via his voice. And that is really something like I just as a filmmaking choice and like, just wow. It felt like one of those movies where it just, you believe that the characters would be behaving the way that they are. You know, any hostage situation is like, you, I'm sure you have moments where you're like, okay, we're gonna get out of this. And there's moments where you're like, nope, this is fucked. We're completely fucked. And I especially liked the nuance of like Anton Yelchin's character. Like, it's just so real, you know, every reaction that he has to every new element he has to deal with throughout the film. Great. And like, you know, the way that they add in moments of levity feel so natural to the story, like the way that he kind of tells that paintball story in the middle of the movie, but then he gets cut off and everyone's (laughs) like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then it cuts back to it later on. And she's like, I want to hear the finish to your story, but it actually like oddly makes sense in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's just so great in that way and that just what a closer <laughs> and they they kind of had this running thing about desert island bands throughout the whole movie and everyone because they're in a punk band they're kind of like fronting and like saying the misfits and stuff and everyone's actually like it's badada it's 
you know, someone else. And that it's a great through line. And then he thinks of it at the end and she just goes, tell someone who gives a shit and then cut. It's a perfect it's brilliant. Ending. It's perfect. Yeah. It really is. No, I mean, this, this movie is honestly, like, I don't say this about many, but I think this is a perfect movie. And everything that you mm-hmm. said before, like, this is Saulnier's masterpiece. Blue Ruin is incredible. I really like Hold the Dark, even though, you know, people didn't like that one as much. I quite liked it. Mm-hmm. I loved his work on True Detective. I have season tickets. No matter what he makes, I'm in. 100%. Yep. It is available on Showtime if you have that. Great movie. And every time I re, like, I was blown away the first time I saw this. And like, it has everything in my wheelhouse. Like, I was in a punk band when I was in high school. So, like, it has that, it has the horror, it has everything. And, Every time I rewatch it, it's just as good. It hits just as hard. For sure. Yeah. Another high rewatch value film. And so that is our list of single location horror films. I think we did a pretty bang up job. I'd say so. <laughs> There's a lot of really good movies on this. And then, you know, before we go, are there any quick honorable mentions that you want to give to some other ones that you considered kind of thrown on this list? Definitely The Mist. Um, I know that holds a special place in your guys' heart as well, but definitely uh, one of my very favorite movies. Um, the Descent came up. Yeah. Um, of course, Evil Dead. Of course, Alien. I'm trying to think. Oh, there's another one on Shutter called The Pool, <laughs> which I considered putting on my list. And then I realized there's just a heinous betrayal to doggos all over the world. And I can't ask can't anyone abide to by it. That. I can't I can't <laughs> I can't sign up for that I can't do it put my name on it I can't do it you know I watched it because you had it on your list initially and you know overall I'm glad I saw it um it is a heinous heinous act towards a dog I was I was watching it and my dog's head was on my lap and I oh, like no. <laughs> I was like never never I would never do that it kind of played with this alligator idea. And then I, I, you said something about, you know, your film will involve reptiles. So I feel like the pool was, you know, part of that, right? Yeah. I mean, my movie definitely plays on the whole urban legend of people flushing their pet alligators and letting their, you know, pythons loose and all these exotic pets they shouldn't have that they just kind of like, we'll put it in Central Park or wherever. So I, I've always really liked playing with that idea. So they are mutant reptiles. Um, I love that little little commentary about exotic pet owners. Um, and what's it's scary if you actually do some uh, googling online. Um, there's a lot of incidents where people's pet pythons come out of someone else's toilet, and I think that's a lot of folks one of their worst fears. I don't know, at least not my favorite idea. But snakes I, on a, snakes on a plane there, does that count? Snakes on a plane, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of snakes coming out of toilets and doing very inappropriate things to people's genitals in that movie. It is uh, something. That makes sense. <laughs> Have you seen Snakes on a Plane? I haven't. It no. is it is hysterical. It knows exactly what it is, and it is hysterical, I think. I, I, I would actually recommend it, honestly. <laughs> then I will put it on my watch list for sure. <laughs> Uh, the only ones I wanted to give a quick shout out to, and then we'll get out of here. I mentioned color out of space. I definitely considered that one. I considered some of the kind of computer screen movies unfriended and host are two that I really, really love, but then I couldn't get there. Cause I guess it's a single location. Cause you're on a core, like you're on a computer screen, but really you're in like five different places. So I couldn't get there in my head that this was actually like single location. I don't, I don't know. I would have allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love both of those movies. Um, yeah, they're like their own thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and I there's... feel like they're intended to be watched on a laptop, which makes it feel even more like a single location. Yeah. You're kind of with them on the screen and watching it on a laptop. It's crazy. I love Unfriended, especially, you know. Even the sequel is pretty good. Uh, Unfriended Dark Web. Dark Web. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. And there's a the horror anthology VHS. One of the kind of pieces of that is kind of the computer screen thing too. And I really dug that. It's a cool little subgenre, the computer screen horror movie. For sure. I mean, what they're able to do with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, hosts scared the shit out of me. 
that might have been like one of my favorite moments of 2020. Like I just sat there in utter awe of like, what? This is like a 50 minute movie and I'm terrified. I can't keep my eyes open. And it's so much fun. Like it's so, so good. much fun. It's awesome. Um, yeah. So those are some other recommendations. You know, Halloween's coming up this weekend. You know, watch watch some of these movies as we were kind of entering Halloween. There's a lot of really great horror stuff out there. And you know, a lot of stuff maybe you haven't seen before. And Kristen, before we go, where can we find some stuff about your your upcoming film? Um, well, we're on um, Instagram at When You're Gone Movie. Also on Facebook at When You're Gone Movie. And you can, you know, if you go to Indiegogo, type in When You're Gone, you'll find us there. We have, you know, you can look through a lot of stuff about the film itself, including an interview with Shane. Um, our special effects guru yeah there's a lot to see there if you want to check it out i definitely i definitely would yeah i mean i've watched some of the promo materials and i am i'm in i'm 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 excited to see what what this thing has to offer and you know if you go on the indiegogo is it is it still open for donations it is yeah absolutely yeah so you can make a donation and i know you guys have come some kind of like perks that go along with the donations right we do yeah um so also yeah our our teaser is on there it's pretty pretty gnarly pretty fun it's it's a minute long um but yeah we've got some really fun perks including we're adding now we have some cheddar goblin mac and cheese boxes signed by shane (laughs) we're really excited about but you know definitely special thanks um in our movie credits and imdb and there's also you can grab some associate producer credits executive producer everyone you know loves that and we've got some movie sticker packs which who doesn't love those you know which we want to send your way so definitely check it out yeah so hop on indiegogo you know support local independent film and you know i'm really excited for you guys that you know you're fully funded i'm excited that you're going in production and i'm excited to see this thing finally when it when it comes out uh it's going to be awesome i think oh yeah All right. So Kristen, thanks so much for joining us and we'll get out of here. You can follow us on Instagram at back porch media on Twitter at Porchback media. You can listen to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and all of those things rate and review us and leave nice comments if you feel like it. And that's about it. See y'all.